Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up and good morning on this beautiful Wednesday in December. And if you guys forgot, it's Dallas week. I feel like because we were so upset about what happened on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers, some of us may be forgetting it is Dallas week and it is a big game on Sunday against them boys. So we're going to start to dive in to the Eagles-Cowboys matchup in Texas where the Cowboys have been very good this season. They've been really good at home. And really, when you look at Dak Prescott over his career, he's been really good at home. So we'll dive into that. We'll do a little Sixers talk. And we're going to be joined like we are every Wednesday by Kayla Santiago. She always does a great job covering the Sixers for us. And we'll talk to her a little bit about the football game, too. I was about to say the Phillies. No Phillies talk today. No Phillies talk. Did talk a little bit yesterday. Rob Thompson, we talked with Farzee, did get his extension, which we like to see. But I see some people strolling in here on the Power Hour on this Wednesday. Good morning, Wine Niners Wine. Good morning to Bridget Tobin. Good morning, Bobby Murphy. Got to talk to my guys, Jody Mack and John McMullen, man. Keep running over into the Power Hour. Got to get on those guys, man. Got to get on those guys. They can't be taken away from the power hour. They do a great job. Great show today on Birds 365. They had Barrett Brooks. Always does a nice job. I had Barrett on my legal hands to the face show over the summer, which was nice. But let's get a little bit of a roll call as people stroll through. I see Kevin Savard checking in. We'll be joined by Kayla later today. But I want to do a little Sixers talk. But before we do, I hate even bringing this up because people say stupid things just to get clickbait. We know all these, you heard hot takes, hot takes, all these people saying stupid things so that people talk about it. And I hate that I'm even going to address it, but I feel like I have to address the idiotic comments by David Carr on NFL Total Access. Absolutely asinine, idiot comments. And look, I know David Carr played in this league. I know he was the number one overall draft pick. But you are going to lose a lot of respect when you say dumb things just for the sake of saying them so people click on it and people talk about it. And I hate that I'm even given any of our time on the power hour to it, but it's going all over social media right now. So we kind of have to talk about it. But David Carr suggests that the Philadelphia Eagles should bench Jalen Hurts for Marcus Mariota. 
I, I hate that I'm even talking about it. I really do. I hate that I'm even giving any of our time to David Carr's asinine comments about benching Jalen Hurts. Are you kidding me? People say stupid things, man. Say stupid things just to get clicks. I hate that more than anything. You are given a platform, David Carr. You're given a platform. Let's give real analysis. Let's give a meaningful analysis. Bench Jalen Hurts for Marcus Mariota. Freaking idiot, man. Dumbest thing I heard. Anyway, just it, it just pisses you off. I mean, thankfully, we don't have any other idiots giving credit to that type of statement. But when you're given a platform like that, and you're supposed to be trusted as an analyst on the NFL network, and you're going to make comments like that? Anyway, I see more people checking in. Let's get a little bit of a roll call from my Power Hour crew. I know some people were late coming through from Birds 365, but... Good morning, SB Ricky. Good morning, Eagles fan. Jared Ford, James Jones, Wine Niners Wine, always in the house. Twiz, good morning. Crowley, good morning. Who else we got? Steve Ike. CZ. Good to see everybody. If I missed anyone, appreciate you all being here. And before you got here, I did mention we're going to be joined by Kayla Santiago shortly, like we are every single Wednesday. And I see Jared Ford saying, bad take, just wanted attention. Sims did the same thing last year. Spot on, Jared Ford. I hate that, man. We are given a platform. And David Carr is given a platform a lot bigger than most, being on the NFL network. Say things that are meaningful. Analyze the game with some knowledge. Don't just say stupid things to try to get clickbait. And look, it worked. We're sitting here talking about it, so I guess it worked. But, hey, is what it is, man. Is what it is. But that is the dumbest comment I've heard all season long. And I saw someone in the chat saying, you know, Skip Bayless wouldn't even say that. Just stupid. But look, if there's any player that takes that type of outside noise and can internalize it to motivate him even more, it's Jalen Hurts. I'm sure if he's asked about the comments, he's going to say he didn't hear it or he didn't, didn't care about it. But you know Jalen Hurts takes everything, internalizes it, and tries to use it as fuel and motivation going forward. But... I see some of our Niners fans still trolling. Keep trolling, man. Keep trolling. I want the Niners fans here every single day trolling until that NFC championship. You deserve it. You earned it. You absolutely dominated the game on Sunday. Great job. Won your Super Bowl. But it was one regular season game. Not taking anything away from you. You guys are the best team in the NFL right now. The best team in the NFL. But we can tell you from experience as Philadelphia Eagles fans, we've been the best team in the NFL in week 13. Doesn't always get you that Lombardi trophy. Certainly doesn't get you that Lombardi trophy. How many times under Andy Reid did we sit here in week 13 as Philadelphia Eagles fans saying, we're the best team in the NFL. This is our year. 
doesn't always work out. So when the Philadelphia Eagles beat the 49ers last year, that game was a little bit bigger than a week 13 regular season game. Just a little bit bigger. So hopefully we meet again. But troll away. You dominated. You're the best team in the NFL in week 13. Congratulations. But unlike the NBA, you don't get an in-season trophy. There's no in-season tournament in the NFL, thank God. But let's talk a little bit about the NBA. Jump over to this in-season tournament that if you follow the show, you know I have zero interest in. Could not care less about the NBA Cup. And you look at now, they're in the final four of the NBA Cup. So exciting, I'm on the edge of my seat. Can't wait for the NBA Cup games. You got the Indiana Pacers and the Milwaukee Bucks for the East. And you got the L.A. Lakers and the New Orleans Pelicans in the West. Pelicans are the eighth team in the standings in the Western Conference. And that's your final four for the NBA Cup. Could not care less, man. Could not care less. I'll tell you, though, look, Milwaukee, we know they have a good team, obviously. I think today's Giannis's birthday, Greek Freak's birthday today, I believe. Let me make sure of that. Yeah, 29 today, the Greek Freak. But, and look, Indiana Pacers, Halliburton playing really well. We'll talk to Kayla a little bit about it. We'll get into basketball with Kayla. But Sixers have a game tonight. They had a long rest, five-day rest, after almost knocking off the Celtics with nobody in the lineup. No Embiid, no Maxi, no Oubre. Well, good news, all three of those guys are expected back tonight. We'll see how long or how many minutes Embiid gets. Missed a couple games there. Maxie missed a, missed a game there with a sickness. But they play the Washington Wizards. Should dominate this game. Should get back in the win column. Sixers have lost two straight. But they're getting everybody back tonight, hopefully. Beat the Wizards November 6th, 146-128. But hopefully they get another victory tonight. Wizards are not a good team. 3-16 and 16 this season. Lost two in a row. So hopefully it'll be nice to see Oubre back, though. Before he went out, he was averaging over 16 points a game in eight games. So we'll see how, how they play tonight. No Philadelphia Flyers tonight. They start their road trip tomorrow, Thursday night, against the Arizona Coyotes. So I said it yesterday on the show, man. If you're a hockey fan, Flyers are playing good hockey, so check that out. But it is Dallas week. And everything that happened, all of the ridiculous domination, both sides of the ball, how bad everybody played. We got Seth Joyner calling out Darius Slay, Darius Slay responding. Everything that happened, all could be made right in the world if the Philadelphia Eagles go into Dallas on Sunday and win that game Sunday night football. Here we go. Can't stand that with Dak Prescott. But you have to give Dak Prescott credit. I know we are all waiting for Dak Prescott to make the big mistake. 
I don't know if you're going to see that this year. Dak Prescott is playing really good football. And I know, I've said it as well, they've never beaten a team this season that currently has a winning record. But this team is really good at home. Dak Prescott is really, really good in Texas. And I talked about this over the offseason. As bad as Dak Prescott has been at times in his career, he's always been good against the NFC East. Always. Dak Prescott's career record is 30-8 and against the NFC East. That is the second most wins ever against your own division. The only player in NFL history that has more wins against their own division. See if my people in my chat can guess it. Who do you think, which quarterback do you think has more wins against their own division than Dak Prescott? Shouldn't be hard when you really think about it. Eagles fan nailed it right away. Tom Brady, when he was in New England, all those years playing those bad Jets teams. Buffalo Bills weren't that great. Drawing a blank now. Who's the other team in the AFC East? The Miami Dolphins. Not that great. Although they did beat Brady a couple times. Remember that year the Dolphins rolled out the Wildcat? You saw that comeback with Ronnie Brown, and I'm forgetting who the other running back was. But it's Brady. So you look, I mean, any time a quarterback is mentioned in any statistical category with Tom Brady, something to maybe be a little bit concerned about. And Dak Prescott has been excellent throughout his career against the NFC East. And we don't even have to go back that far. Go back to week nine. Eagles win that game. But really... Not because Dak Prescott played poorly. Prescott threw for 374 and three TDs in Philly. And Dak is a different quarterback in Arlington, Texas. And he's having a really, really good season. Before we bring Kalon, we'll take a break shortly. But before we do, you look at some of these numbers from this Dallas Cowboys team this season at home. Undefeated at home this year. They have a plus 151 point differential at home this season. That is the best point differential at home in Dallas Cowboys history since 1966. Not going to be an easy game for this Philadelphia Eagles team. But what we've seen, and this is why the comments by David Carr were so asinine, because what we've seen from Jalen Hurts and this team time and time again is how they bounce back, how they respond to adversity. And they were just embarrassed by the San Francisco 49ers. And I said all week last week, that was not a must-win game for the Philadelphia Eagles. But this Sunday night, is as close to a must-win as you get in week 14. 
and we saw it last year in the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts shows up in big moments. So we'll continue to break down this game. Obviously, I'll give you my prediction on our football Friday on Friday. But I'm expecting Jalen Hurts and this entire Eagles team that just got absolutely embarrassed on Sunday to bounce back in a big way on Sunday night in Dallas. But we'll continue to break it down, guys. And just a reminder, I told you yesterday, I was on Sports Take with Rob Ellis hosting Yesterday, I will also be hosting today, so you're getting Bill Caballero for four hours today. Does it get much better than that? I'm sure all my 49ers trolls will love it. You control me for four hours, you control. Not control, can troll for four hours. And some of you guys I know have already gone over to my at legal hands to the face on Instagram, man. I've been getting tons of trolling from Niners fans, but hey. Appreciate all the engagement. Appreciate it all. But we're going to take a quick break, guys. And when we come back, we're going to be joined like we are every Wednesday by Kayla Santiago. We'll talk a little bit about the Sixers, a little bit about this ridiculous NBA Cup. And we'll also talk to Kayla a little Big Five basketball, if you didn't know. Kayla's real, really knows her basketball. And obviously, we'll get into the Eagles. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back with Kayla Santiago. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up to my Power Hour crew? And welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. We're joined now, like we are every Wednesday, by the one and only Kayla Santiago. What's up, Kayla? How are you? Feeling uh, good today? You know, Sunday, not so much, but kind of hopeful for this week. A little bit, a little bit nervous for the birds, but excited to be talking about it here this morning. Man, what a disaster that was on Sunday. And then we're doing the post-game show. Somebody pulls the fire alarm at the Ocean Casino. We got alarms <laughs> going off. TVs are shutting down. It was like, man, can this day get any crazier? Yeah, that was crazy. And I just kept looking off and I'm like, what is going on? Is this just what happens when the Eagles really get dominated on one Sunday night? Like, we haven't seen this all year long. It was just absolute chaos. And I hope on both sides it doesn't happen again next week or this week coming up. Yeah, I'm ready to flush the loss, move on to the Dallas Cowboys. But I just got to ask you, I know this is kind of a loaded question, but what the hell went wrong on Sunday? I think a lot of things went wrong. I just think the 49ers looked like the better team. Um, And it really is tough because the Eagles came in as underdogs. And I said, okay, the 49ers, yes, are a good team. But the Eagles are playing at Lincoln Financial Field, which is one of the toughest fields to play at, I think, in the whole National Football League. And it really didn't matter at all. I think when you look at both sides of the ball, the secondary was just completely exposed. The linebackers completely exposed. The defensive line did well. But as soon as they got past that, it was like they can't make a tackle to save their lives. On the offensive side of the ball, We've talked about it all season long. It looked like it's not going to change. Hopefully it changes against Dallas because I think this is a game that Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni need to make a change on the offensive side of the ball is you got to run it at this point. This offense is starting to become one dimensional because of that. And defenses that are really good, like the 49ers are going to be able to figure that out. And that's going to hurt them when it comes playoff time. And, I said this to start the show, and I hate that I'm going to even ask you about it because I think David Carr's comments are just absolutely ridiculous, but not sure you saw David Carr on the NFL Network says that the Philadelphia Eagles should consider benching Jalen Hurts for Marcus Mariota. People are just nuts. People just want to have crazy takes and everything like that because guess what? The second that Jalen Hurts had to go back to the medical tent, to be possibly on concussion protocol, everybody was freaking out, shaking their heads. Marcus Mariota is not going to work out. The reason the Eagles are losing is not because of Jalen Hurts. We've talked about it game after game. Has Jalen looked as good as he did last year as Chris? Maybe not, but I also think part of that is the play calling. And the second strand of that as well, these games that have come down to the wire, they've won because of Jalen Hurts, because Jalen Hurts is able to make plays. It didn't happen this past Sunday, but it's happened throughout the season so far. And we've talked about it. There's so many things that go wrong in so many games, but they find ways to win because of Jalen Hurts. They can't keep doing that. This is the NFL. These teams are all really good. And when you face a powerhouse 
and the 49ers, you can't just cross your fingers and hope to win. You actually need to play very good football on special teams, on defense, and on the offensive side of things. Now, you mentioned the play calling, and this is what I love about the city of Philadelphia. This morning, 7.30 a.m. at the NovaCare Complex, there were fans greeting all of the Eagles coaches and players as they came into the parking lot with a big sign that said, run the ball. (laughs) And you finally heard Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson acknowledge as such at their press conference saying, hey, look, we need to do a better job as coaches committing to the run, something we've been talking about almost every game down at Ocean when we do our game day shows, Kayla. Do you think they're actually going to do it now? They said it. Are they actually going to commit to the run a little bit going forward? I hope so, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I mean, I think every single week that's been something that we've harped on. But why did it take this long? Why did it have to take them to get absolutely crushed at home for them to decide, oh, by the way, running backs are a thing in the NFL. We can actually utilize them. It took way too long. And like I said, I hope so, but I will not believe it until I see it. It's weird because they were able to utilize them in week one and two. We saw Kenny Gainwell and then decide, okay, well, DeAndre Swift's actually our running back number one. They use Swift and he goes off. Not saying that DeAndre Swift's going to have a game like that every single week, but he has some pop. He has some flair and they don't utilize them at all. We never see Boston Scott either, which is just absolutely crazy to me. They have a decent rotation of running backs. Is it the best in the entire league? Absolutely not, but they need to utilize them. And they're going to learn the hard way if they don't in the coming weeks. And hopefully Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni have woken up a little bit and say, okay, we can utilize our talent and let's see how it works out this week. Because the Cowboys, if the Eagles played like they did last week, Philadelphia is going to get crushed in Dallas. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that, Kayla. Speaking into existence, but if it happens again, this is the good thing about the NFL, right? Every week is a little bit different. So, you know, we see it and we're saying, okay, well, the Eagles, they're going to figure it out, right? Question mark. That question mark is still there and it has been all season. Well, I want to get into the Dallas game, but before we do, let's just switch gears for a second. Talk a little bit of basketball because Kayla knows her basketball. Obviously, she knows her football too. You hear her now, but let's jump over. So I mentioned before the break, you do some big five coverage too, right? I do. What's going on in the Big Five right now? What are some storylines we should be looking out for in the Big Five? Chaos. Absolute chaos (laughs) is going on right now. But I absolutely love it, and this is the best thing about college basketball. And if people aren't paying attention, they need to. So Drexel just got into the Big Five this year, the Big Five Classic. It's the first year they did this way as the triple header at Wells Fargo Center, which I thought was super cool because the round-robin way – you really didn't have a championship game. It depended on your record throughout the tournament. And then it was like, oh, we have a champion. But I feel like that doesn't have excitement with it. Triple header, it was awesome. Drexel beats Villanova. LaSalle wins on a bank shot with 2.3 seconds left. And then St. Joe's beats Temple. Now, I want to touch on St. Joe's because I think they are definitely a team to look out for in college basketball. I predicted that the Hawks were going to win that game because Temple's defense, I just didn't think, could withstand the offensive pressure that St. Joe's has. They have a fantastic big. They have a combo guard duo, and they have a lot of depth for that team as well. And they got Billy Lang as their head coach, who, as people know, was a part of that process here with the Philadelphia 76ers. So I think St. Joe's, they just have so many offensive weapons, and they're really good on defense. They're able to run the floor very well. Am I saying that they're going to be able to push far in March Madness? I don't know, but I definitely think that they have a possibility this year to get into the tournament. Now, I know everybody loves Villanova. They're ranked nationally as well. 
But at the same time, they're losing against teams that we haven't seen them lose to in years. Kyle Neptune just in his second year as head coach. But I think the biggest surprise is how the Wildcats are kind of falling right now. They're just a little bit inconsistent. There's a lot of season left. But St. Joe's is definitely my front runner right now, not just because they won the Big Five championship, but they look like they're in midseason form at this point. And I just hope they take that Big Five championship win and really push throughout the season and get some big-time wins. Whenever I think of St. Joe's basketball, I can't not think of that great run. Jameer Nelson took them on all the way to the final four that year. And you also cover the the Delaware team, right? I do. And Jameer Nelson just got named GM. Big congratulations to him. He was kind of like acting GM anyway. So when he officially got the title, it was really cool. And let me tell you about the Bluecoats because the Sixers, they've got a lot, a lot of talent that a lot of people don't know about. They have this 20-year-old, Trevion Smith, that's kind of like a mashup of Bones Highland and Tyrese Maxey kind of put together. Also a really good shooter from beyond the arc, pretty accurate as well, puts up a lot of shots a game. Um, defensively, that's going to grow for him. But they've got a lot of good rookies and a lot of good guys on two-way deals that everybody in Philadelphia should be really excited about. Let's hope they don't decide to trade them away. But I do think if they were to get a guy like Zach Levine, as we've been talking about each and every week, those are definitely pieces that they could pitch forward because they are really fronting the NBA G League right now, especially with the talent of Javion Smith, the 20-year-old. And you mentioned the Sixers had a long rest, five-day rest. They played in Boston. Was that game in Boston or Philly on Friday night? I believe it was in Boston. Yeah, it was in Boston. Yeah, in Boston with no Embiid, no Maxi, obviously no Ubre, and they almost pull out that win, but then have a five-day break. They're back in action tonight. Are we expecting all everybody back, Ubre, Maxi, and Embiid tonight? I don't know. It seems like there's some flu or something going around in the locker room right now is what it was reported as. Nicholas Batum was also out in that game. So the fact that the Sixers almost won with the Celtics, who really only didn't have Kristoff. Now, I know that Jason Tatum did get ejected in that game, which was pretty awesome to see. But um, I, I don't know. It's against the Wizards, so I don't necessarily think that they need to have everybody up to play. Um, I think this is a game where if Joel Embiid does need rest and he's still battling a cold or a flu or anything like that, that it would be smart to rest him. Um, you knew you knew this point of the season was coming. Of course, you know, they weren't in the showcase anymore for the NBA, the in-season tournament. And I think from that standpoint, Joel Embiid is going to get his rest at some point, whether he's battling a flu or whether it's rest because of his body, whatever it may be. Um, but I think we're going to see just how, you know, how bad this bug is kind of hitting the locker room right now. I would be surprised if Kelly Oubre comes back in this game. Personally, I would love him to come back at home because I know that crowd is just going to go absolutely insane. They'll be back at home on Friday against the Hawks. So I think there's a lot of people they may rest um, this tonight because against the Hawks, I think that'll be a more competitive game than the Wizards. Yeah, Wizards aren't a good team, so hopefully they're able to pull that out. And hold on, i got to digress for one second. So – Somebody who's in the chat, one of my Power Hour crews, always here, Twiz. And I've been meaning to ask him, why do you have the San Francisco logo as your <laughs> profile pick now? Did you lose a bet, Twiz? Because I'm pretty sure you're not a 49ers fan. So just let me know what the hell is going on, dude, because I see you keep commenting and that San Francisco logo popping up. I'm getting a little worried, Twiz. I'm getting a little worried. Sorry, Kayla. Me see too. What <laughs> see, what, see what Twiz says there. So let's just talk about that NBA in-season tournament for a second. So now they're down to the final four. You got the Pacers and the Bucks, Two good teams. I'm okay with those two teams in the East. We've talked about before. Pacers, pretty good with Halliburton. Mm -hmm. That kid is the real deal. 
But then you go over to the West, the Lakers and the Pelicans. Is this what people are supposed to be getting excited about in the NBA? It's one of those things, and we talked about it before, that I think that in season tournament, people were super excited for it. But once a team might have started losing, I, I think that they just kind of sat their starters and said, listen, we can't compete for the championship anyway. We're not going to be able to do that. And I mentioned it a few weeks ago on this podcast when we were talking about a lot of different things that this is a tournament for teams like the Pacers, for other teams that aren't going to probably be in the conversation when it comes, you know, fighting for the conference championship. Not that the Pacers aren't a fantastic team, but they're young. They've got a lot of young talent, a lot of very good talent. And with that being said, I think they're a perfect team to compete for this because they don't have to rest all of their guys. So I think you're going to see a lot different of a playoff picture when it comes to, you know, late May, early June and everything like that. I don't necessarily think the Pacers are going to beat out the Celtics, the Bucks, the Heat, or the Sixers when it comes time. I think they'll give a dog fight, nevertheless. But at the same time, I think this is what the in-season tournament is for. When you look at it, it's like, okay, how many teams and how many guys on one given team don't need rest? Okay, that's who's going to go to the championship for the in-season tournament because, you know, the best availability is what's going to work for this, I think. It's so early in the season. Teams are still trying to get their chemistry and everything like that. And plus, it's before the trade deadline. So I think a lot of things can change before we get, you know, to the later grant of the playoffs. And are we going to have to hear that LeBron James won the first NBA Cup? Is that what's going to happen here? Is that the storyline in the NBA? It probably will be. If it's scripted, that would be the perfect script, to be honest. Everybody say, oh, well, maybe now he's better than Michael Jordan. No, no, no. It's the in-season tournament. It's almost like the Mickey Mouse championship in the bubble. To me, it means absolutely nothing. The Sixers absolutely dominated the Lakers this season, so let's not forget about that either. Crushed Listen, them. Yeah, crush them. I do understand why the NBA did this. It's they Honestly, they do a lot of this stuff in the NBA G League where they test things out before they actually bring it to the NBA. So the G League, their first chunk of games up until January is for the Showcase Cup, and then basically everything switches and changes. You have a bunch of different players on your team for the actual regular season. So that's what the NBA really took it from. And then with that being said, I think it's exciting for a lot of people who love competitive basketball. And I think it will have a lot more viewers because a lot of people say, well, it's such a long regular season for the NBA. They just want to wait till playoffs. For me, you know, I love my basketball. I love the NBA. I love college basketball, high school basketball on every single level. So when I see that you're competing for a championship in December, when a lot of your guys are maybe older, have been around the league a little bit more and trying to stay healthy, personally, I don't like it. So to me, Good. Congratulations. It's awesome. I'm sure that it's going to be a conversation, but until you win that NBA championship, to me, this doesn't really matter unless for whatever reason, LeBron can win this in season tournament and then goes on to win the NBA championship this year. Then that might be a conversation about it. Well, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers won the NFL in season championship on <laughs> Sunday. It was their Super Bowl, right? And I said that I think on the halftime show as well. I said, listen, the 49ers are really excited to come back to Philadelphia. They've been talking about this since they got knocked out last year and they handed it to the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't get me wrong. They played fantastic, but this isn't the game that matters. It matters when they're in the NFC conference championship. That's what matters. So, you know, I couldn't stand that the Eagles lost as bad as they did, but when you have to be a team twice in the season, I much rather it be in the playoffs than a regular season game that hopefully can be a distant memory for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
And you mentioned beating a team twice in a season. I went and looked today. The Philadelphia Eagles have not swept the Dallas Cowboys since 2011. So it's not easy to beat teams, like you said, twice in one season. But the Philadelphia Eagles need to try to do that on Sunday. We talked a little bit before the Niners game about whether or not that was a must win for the Eagles. I didn't think that it was. Do you think this week going into Dallas on Sunday night is a must win for this Philadelphia Eagles team? So I actually had them losing this game. You know, when you talk about looking at your schedule for um, the whole entire season, I had them winning the 49ers game though. Gotcha. With that being said, it's really tough because if you lose against Dallas, not that the NFC is really up in the air, but you essentially have to win out after that. And if San Fran ends up winning out, then you're looking at a game for the conference, possibly in San Francisco. And that is not good on any type of level. I think the only way the Eagles get to the Super Bowl is if it's through Philadelphia. I think that's something that's really important, especially with the new and young offensive and defensive coordinators and Nick Sirianni trying to make it all work at the same time. It still hasn't clicked yet at this point of the season. So I think home field advantage is super important. I hate to say must wins at this point of the season. I really do. But I think so, because they've got San Fran on their tail. And not only that, the Dallas Cowboys, if they start picking up and winning games as well, they're going to be on the Eagles tail. The Detroit Lions, you know, they're on the outside looking into that conversation, but they're definitely still there record wise. Not saying that they'll win the NFC outright, but I definitely think that it's a must win. And once again, I can't stand saying that. It really grinds my gears that I have to say that at this point of the season, but when you're talking about the NFL, when you're talking about the NFC, and the one most important thing for Philadelphia, in my opinion, with this team is home field advantage. If that didn't matter, I would say no. I don't really, you know, if they lose to Dallas, it's because they beat them earlier in the year and they're in Dallas and it's a tough game coming off a tough loss. But with that being said, I think they need home field advantage. So to me, this is a must win, yeah. And I look at it, not just the home field advantage. There's only one team that gets the bye now. You know, when the NFL made that change, you used to get the top two seeds would get the buy, but they wanted three wild card games on wild card weekend, more money in their pocket. So now only one team gets it and seven teams get in. And if the Eagles lose on Sunday, not only are we talking about them maybe not getting the one seed, we're talking about them maybe falling all the way to the five seed because now you're battling with the Dallas Cowboys just for the NFC East. So this is a huge game for sure. They just played them in week nine. Eagles pull out a win at home, and what we saw in that game was the second most carries that DeAndre Swift has had all season. He had 28 against the Minnesota Vikings, but the Eagles did commit to the run with DeAndre Swift against Dallas. They gave him 18 carries in that game. Didn't have a lot of success, only 43 yards, but this is what we've talked about. Just committing to the run means it's working. Teams have to worry about it. Defenses have to be more concerned. But do you think that the Eagles will fare better on Sunday running the football? We've seen that yards per carry kind of drop over the last few weeks. You think they can fare better against that Dallas team than they did in week nine? I think the important thing to remember, too, is it doesn't have to be all DeAndre Swift either. And I'm not saying that, you know, I think Kenny Gainwell's actually played a lot better in these last two games. I know I was on him earlier this year, but I think that's just because the Eagles – 
I felt like loved him in the beginning of the season. We're giving him way too many carries when a situation was more set up for DeAndre Swift. But you've got Kenny Gainwell and you've got Boston Scott. And I know they're not necessarily like a Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, you do have a rotation of running backs that not only you need to utilize, but that can take some pressure off Jalen Hurts. Jalen is running the ball more than the running backs combined, which is way too much, especially considering he was – possibly having a concussion last week. He got tested for concussion protocol. The last thing that you need is for Jalen Hurts to go down. You've got to protect your QB. He's a little bit stagnant when it comes to that as well. I feel like sometimes him and Brian Johnson, whether it's Johnson or Nick Sirianni, just aren't on the same page when it comes to the play calling, what what plays are being called from that standpoint. But they absolutely need to make sure they're giving their running back some love. Because if you don't, this is going to be a long night for the Philadelphia Eagles. How much more can this offensive line protect? Because I actually thought they did a good job last week. Do I think Jalen Burts needs to get the ball out a little bit quicker? Absolutely. I think that he gets sacked way too much. I think he can throw it away a little bit more or try to get his checkdowns a little bit quicker. With that being said, though, you have guys in the backfield that you're not utilizing. It doesn't have to be all DeAndre Swift. Yes, is he going to get multiple carries? Is he going to get more yards than both of those guys? Probably, but at the same time, utilize Kenny Gamewell, utilize Boston Scott. And if it doesn't work, you go back to the air. That's the beauty of everything happening. You're able to have that, you know, air game because of AJ Brown, because of Devontae Smith, Quez playing very well last week. Do I think that he's their third guy on the writing board? Absolutely not. And Dallas Goddard is rumored to be back this week as well. Not that I think that he'll be much in the game plan due to coming back from that injury, but there's a lot of options they can have offensively, and they need to utilize them this week against Dallas so that they can get it going throughout the season. And then come playoff time, you have more of a balanced offensive attack. And I agree with you. I would like to see more balance. I've been talking about it on this show, but I'm not as concerned about the offense. I think they have enough talent on that side of the ball. We've seen, even with sometimes questionable play calling, The end result is pretty damn close to what it was last year as far as points and yards. But where my concerns really lie is on the other side of the football, on the defense. We saw them get dominated by the 49ers. A lot of people are saying, hey, it's just one game. But when you go back and look, it really hasn't been just one game. And there was a really good article by Ruben Frank today talking about this defense. And he pointed out in the last six weeks, so since that defense did a pretty good job shutting down the Miami Dolphins. They've given up, since that Dolphins game, 29 points per game, over 430 yards per game, over 300 passing yards per game, over 4.8 yards per carry on the ground. Hold on, I'm going to keep going, Kayla. Only the fifth team ever in NFL history to give up 2,000 net yards, 1,500 passing yards, 15 passing touchdowns, and a 4.8 yards per carry through a five-game span. Fifth team ever. And then they're only the seventh team ever to give up 27-plus touchdown passes and have less than six interceptions through 12 games. So my concerns lie on that defensive side of the ball. And obviously, Howie Roseman feels the same way. They go out, they bring in Shaq Leonard. Can Shaq Leonard be the savior of this defense, Kayla? It's funny. I did a story on this the other day, and I don't think that he's going to be the savior, but I do think that it's an upgrade considering what you have. I mean, Cunningham goes down. You have Nicholas Morrow, who just got completely torched last week. He's been playing some good football, but last week he was really exploited. So 
I not only think that it brings another piece that experience and is a vet, but I also just think that it brings somebody that's experienced to that locker room that can kind of coach these guys up like Darius Slay is supposed to be doing in the secondary. Hopefully Leonard can do that on the other side for the linebackers. Do I think that he's going to be an immediate fix and it's all going to work out and we're all going to be smiling and talking about how fantastic the defense is going to be this week against the Dallas Cowboys? I don't think so. I don't think that he's the saving grace. We'll see how much fire he has under him. The good thing, though, is that he knows Nick Sirianni. He worked under Nick Sirianni during his rookie years with the Indianapolis Colts when Sirianni was the offensive coordinator for them. So I think that's definitely a plus, some familiarity from that standpoint. I think he's a fantastic piece to have in the locker room. We'll see how much fire he still has under him. With that being said, I almost kind of see him as like a Fletcher Cox a little bit, maybe a few years um, left in him before Fletcher. You could say that as Fletcher's going to come up, he's going to make big plays. He's that vet minded in the locker room. But if he needs a break, then you have a Jalen Carter and a Jordan Davis that are right there to help you out. Now, he doesn't necessarily have that, but he can come in. He can make big plays. He can be the voice in their head, the leader guy that's going to be talking to them that helps them out. So I think it's a fantastic piece. And the last thing I wanted to see him is go to the rival in the Dallas Cowboys. I would have absolutely cringed and been very, very upset if that happened because I think that just would have been absolutely terrible, especially when you played them this week. Once again, he's not the saving grace, but he's definitely an upgrade and something that I think that will help them. But this defense, you know, it's a lot more wrong than just the linebacking core. It's the secondary as well. So as soon as they get past the linebackers, you got to worry about the secondary possibly making a play or a tackle and not pushing a guy for an extra five yards when they're trying to bring him down. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, I had Seth Joyner on my other show on mm -hmm. Monday night, Legal Hands to the Face, and yeah. there was a bunch of stuff going on because on our post-game show, he made comments basically calling out the secondary and Darius mm -hmm. Slay for not wanting to tackle. Slay can't help himself, has to retweet it and respond, and now they're going back and forth. But I am hoping that after getting embarrassed like they did on Sunday, that this defense, because there are a lot of veteran guys on that side of the football. You talk about Slay, Bradbury's a veteran, Fletcher Cox, Son Reddick, Josh Sweat, Zach Cunningham's a veteran. Now you have Shaq Leonard, a veteran. Hopefully these guys are able to figure it out, play a little bit better, and come out with a little bit more attitude than they did against the 49ers because I just went through those stats. It hasn't been good. And this Dallas offense, everybody's waiting for Dak to make that mistake, he looks like he's having a pretty damn good season. What are you seeing from Dak Prescott? I'm seeing the confidence that Dak has wanted to have, I think, all throughout his time playing in the NFL. And I think right now what Dallas has for them is Dak Prescott. Not only that, but you're facing Philadelphia for the second time this season. You fell to them earlier in the year in your own home. And I think Dak is ready to compete. He's ready to go. I think the one good thing and the difference – about the Dallas Cowboys is that they don't have a Christian McCaffrey type guy. They have a very good running back, yes, but I think that the defensive line is going to get a little bit more pressure on them and then that that's going to fluster Dak just a little bit more. That being said, though, if Dak's able to roll out of the pocket and he's able to make the throws, that's when you say, okay, well, who in the secondary is going to step up this week? And listen, I understand that Darius Slay and James Bradbury have been moved around a lot. They really, really have moved around a lot, and I think that's a reason for – their lack of play, their reason why we're always commenting on what we see from them each and every week. 
but they're the leaders. They're the leaders. They're essentially the quarterbacks of that secondary. They need to step up in a game like this because if Dak Prescott gets any type of comfortability in there in the pocket at the defensive lines, not having a good game, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare if the secondary and the linebackers cannot stick up and stand up. So I think that Dak Prescott is definitely confident going into this game. I do like his play outside of, you know, living near Philadelphia my whole life and watching the Eagles and not liking the Dallas Cowboys. I really do like Dak Prescott as a quarterback. You know, the story is fantastic as well, what he's been through just as a person and how he's been able to come out on top of that as a quarterback. So, you know, I'm glad that he's playing good football, but I just need him not to play good football against the Philadelphia Eagles in Dallas this week. But he always plays well against the Eagles. I believe the stat was he's 3-1 and against Philadelphia. So in some time, you know, not overall. But I think with that being said, he's going to bring his game. He's going to bring his A game. And we'll see how Philadelphia responds. I think the defensive line is going to have a better game than they did last week, be able to get more pressure to the quarterback, though. And I see some people in the chat, and I hear people all the time saying, the Eagles need to blitz more. Eagles need to blitz more, especially this week. Blitz Dak Prescott. Well, here was an interesting stat. Teams have blitzed Dak Prescott over 30% of his dropbacks this year. When teams bring five or more pass rushers, you ready for this? Dak Prescott, 87 of 123, a 70.7% completion rate. It's the second highest behind Patrick Mahomes. Mm. So blitzing isn't always the answer, and Dak Prescott's been really good against the blitz this season. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about that, you look at, okay, well, if you don't give pressure to Dak, then you're completely exploiting the secondary of your field. I mean, they have to make play after play after play after that. Do I think that Sean Desai should blitz a little bit more in this game? I do. I know that stat's not in the Eagles' favor, but I don't think that a lot of defensive lines are like the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they have a lot more power, especially on the ends when you talk about Reddick, Brandon Graham even too. So I don't want to see it a lot, but I do want to see it in certain circumstances. For example, I think that last week the 49ers were way too good on third down. If the Cowboys can convert in the same rate, if it's third and long, maybe, yeah, maybe you do send the blitz. Maybe you do try it out. I think I would like to see it on some third downs, maybe some third and longs, but not every single play, not a lot. Just when the Eagles maybe have some momentum and can try to get Dallas off the field, especially if they're in Philadelphia territory. And I'm giving way too much positive comments towards the Cowboys. So let's bring it back for a second. I want everyone to know they still haven't played anybody. They still haven't <laughs> played anybody. They haven't beaten a single team that currently has a winning record. So I agree. I just said it. All these stats, Prescott's having a good year, but he still needs to do it against a good team. So that's I, I got to end it on a negative with the Cowboys <laughs> for sure. I got two more questions for you, Kayla, before I let you out the door. New MVP odds came out. Jalen Hurts, no longer the favorite to win MVP. Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy is the favorite. Do you agree with those odds? I don't because he's not even the best on his team. Christian McCaffrey carries the 49ers offense. If they don't have Christian McCaffrey, they don't win half of their games. Now, MVP, it's always seeming to be a quarterback award at this point, so I see why maybe Brock Purdy would get it. But you can't sit here and tell me, oh, the 49ers beat the Eagles and we're going to put Brock Purdy as the favorite. Where is Christian McCaffrey? I Listen, I understand. I understand that it usually does not go to running backs. But at the same time, CMC is a much better player on the 49ers offense than Brock Purdy is. When I saw that 
for one, I was livid. Now I do understand why, because the 49ers looked really good and Jalen Hurts did not look good last week against San Francisco. I get it. But when you're talking about a player who's not even the best on his team on the offensive side of the ball, it definitely should be CMC. And I understand, listen, NFL, I get it. You're quarterback heavy. A team can't win without a quarterback. Come on now. You put another QB in that San Fran offense, I'm pretty sure they're going to do just fine. Ooh. Yeah, so Christian McCaffrey, seventh best best odds. They got Purdy, Hurts, Prescott, Tua, Mahomes, Lamar, and then McCaffrey's tied with Tyreek Hill at plus 1,600. Yeah, I agree. As much as I hate the 49ers, it's hard not to like Christian McCaffrey and the way he plays the game. Mm-hmm. All right, last question for you, non-sports related. So it's the Christmas season. I'm into Christmas movies now. Kayla Santiago's favorite holiday movie as we hit December now, and it's almost here. Ooh, that's I. This is my favorite holiday. I love the whole entire month of December. I love the Christmas lights, the songs, the movies. I'm a little kid when it comes to Christmas season. Um, I have a tie for two. I love Elf. I I just think it's so funny with Will Ferrell, and it's actually me and my stepdad's favorite movie. And every single time, like we'll just be talking about lives from it, even when it's not Christmas season. And every time we see a revolving door, we'll be like, "Oh my gosh, from the Elf movie!" So that's one of my favorites. I also love Polar Express. I feel like that's just a really feel good movie. Uh, White Christmas is up there too. And then, you know, the Santa Claus from Disney Channel. I watched those growing up. I absolutely love them. If I had to pick, it would be Elf. But there's so many that I still haven't watched yet that I really need to watch because it's coming closer and closer to that holiday season and Christmas. So um, I would say Elf. I really think that's just hilarious. I know some people love it. Some people hate it. But it's always a classic. And it's one of my favorites to watch every single year. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Well, Mm -hmm. Kayla, I appreciate you every Wednesday taking the time to spend some time with us. You have a great week, and I will see you on Sunday, Ocean Casino, for a really big game against those Dallas Cowboys. Have a great week, Kayla. Yeah, looking forward to it. My last comment real quick. I see Die Hard in the chat. It's not a Christmas movie. That'll be my closing comments. Uh, Hopefully we're talking about an Eagles win uh, Sunday night, but thank you so much for having me on this morning. Talk to you soon, Kayla. Yeah, I saw you guys talking Die Hard in the chat, too. That is an endless debate. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? So, obviously, those in the chat who said Die Hard think it is. Anybody else have strong feelings one way or another? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It's a great movie. Bruce Willis. And I don't think Bruce Willis is doing well health-wise, so thoughts to him. But, yeah, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Joe Eagle says 100% Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I see somebody saying that I love Cousin Eddie. Definitely love Cousin Eddie. How do you not love Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation? (laughs) Cousin Eddie, in all the vacations, he's great, but really good in in Christmas Vacation. All right, guys, before we end the show like we do every single week, we'll do a little Today in Sports History. And just a reminder, tomorrow, or not tomorrow, right after this show, I will be joining Sports Take with Rob Ellis for three hours, so don't go anywhere. Stay there. We're going to roll right from the power hour into Sports Take. we got a great show planned, me and Rob. Three hours talking sports with Rob Ellis doesn't get much better. So make sure you're hitting that like button on this show, hitting that share button. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face. I know not everybody was able to catch my show on Monday night with Seth Joyner, but I've been cutting it down to short 90-second clips and posting some great content 
from Seth Joyner on my Instagram. So head on over at Legal Hands to the Face and give me a follow. But today in sports history, December 6th, 1996, former NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle died. And Pete Rozelle is credited for making the NFL one of the most successful sports in the world. He was the commissioner for 30 years. Got the job at only 33 years old. But Pete Rozelle died December 6, 1996. And really, we can thank Pete Rozelle for making the NFL what it is today. So, guys, appreciate my Power Hour crew. Hit that like button. We will be back here tomorrow on the Power Hour, 10 o'clock. And we're going to be joined by Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider. If you remember I said yesterday, we usually have Dave on Tuesdays, Farzi on Thursdays. We flip-flopped them this week because of scheduling issues. So Eagles insider Dave Spadaro will be here tomorrow on the Power Hour. Appreciate everybody. Stay tuned for Sports Take. I'll be joining Rob Ellis. Talk to you soon, guys. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.